It was really exciting to fly um, into the funnel cloud. I um, thought about it um, when I've seen the funnel, the, if it is really dangerous for me or not. Um, it was an amazing experience and I think in the video it looks um, more worse than it really was. This is Soaring the Sky, a glider pilot's podcast. Coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and bringing you great soaring content from glider pilots all over the globe. We now join Chuck and our guest pilot. Hello, soaring community, and welcome back to the podcast. For the holidays, we are putting out some bonus episodes from some of our most played and downloaded interviews. And today we have the one and only Stefan Longer, famous YouTuber. I'm sure you've seen some of his videos. German Junior Glider Club Class Champion, and more. The list of accomplishments goes on. But I really enjoyed talking with Stefan. He shared so many great stories with us. So grab your favorite beverage and sit back and enjoy the special bonus episode from Soaring the Sky. Stefan Longer, welcome to Soaring the Sky. I am super excited to chat with you today. How are you? Hello, Chuck. I'm fine. Thank you. So first, I do want to congratulate you on your 1000K. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, this year I made one declared or I made two declared 1000 kilometer flights. Both were FAI triangles. Uh, it was a huge dream of me to do this with the AST29 and 80 meter class. And this year I had time to do it and it was great fun. Thank you. Wow. That, that is, uh, how long was that, those flights? As far as time wise, <laughs> I don't know exactly. I think something above 10 hours or around 10 hours. Um, the average speed was quite okay for German conditions. And so it was not too long. Wow. <laughs> so, where are you flying out of usually? I know you fly all over the world, but. Yeah, my home airfield is in Donauwörth. It's called Stilberghof. Um, that's directly at the Donau River, at the northern part of the Donau River. Um, it's a great um, point to start huge tasks in the flatlands because we have great conditions there and also the airspace um, around uh, is good to fly huge triangles around Stuttgart, around um, Nuremberg and so on. Um, so that's really something which I'm proud of to have this at home well congratulations again and i do want to get started like you know we ask all the our guest pilots here on soaring this guy and that is how did your aviation adventure get started yeah it's most probably most of the others i started with um flying rc gliders and um, especially my father has also a ppl so um he flies powered planes and um, as a child you get um, toys you get um, rc gliders and um, you get into the stuff then my brother is two years older and he started i think with the age of 15 with his um, glider training and then i was already on the airfield um, i um, learned to drive a car the tractor and so on and um, it was fun for me as a child to be there then with 14 years i started also with a gliding training and uh, made my license with 16 years so i was really focused on flying it was a lot of fun on the airfield 
And then um, when I had my license, I thought, yeah, I want to do it properly. Um, I want to get more experience about cross-country flying and learn it. At the beginning, I um, learned it on my own and one other friend also was really into it. And we just had fun try to fly cross country the tasks were not the biggest ones um i think it took me about one and a half year to make my first 300 kilometer flight but then um yeah i learned a lot and it went quicker and quicker because um i was able to attend training camps then at my first competition the first junior competition i placed i think 12 from 25 um, competitors so it was not good but somehow um, I was able to get qualified for the junior championships and there I placed fifth at the end and that was my entry to the German junior national team and there we had a lot of training camps and theoretical things which I learned and um, also the other pilots the other members helped me a lot and yeah it was a long progress and now i'm able to fly 1000 kilometers here in germany without all the help from all the other people around me from the trainers from the other pilots it would not be possible to to have all the success now it was a great journey and yeah i'm looking forward to do the next years of flying competitions especially also of um, exploring more new adventures to fly in other areas in other countries perhaps in countries where no others flew with gliders um, there's so many to explore in our world in our earth <laughs> you have shared you know a lot of those flights on video of course you're a big youtuber but what single video if you can put your finger on it really exploded your youtube channel and views did it surprise you at the time or were you like oh yeah this is really gonna get crazy I did not expect that this will happen, that my YouTube channel will get so big um, so quickly. Uh, at the beginning, it was really hard work or I uploaded a lot of videos and there were some views. And um, I think three years ago, I started with this journey um, to publish more um, videos. And last year in September, I got 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. But then... Um, this year I got 100,000. So in between there was a huge step. And the one video which was the viral one is um, the video called Spectacular Glider Touchdown in Rain. It was at the e-glide competition in Pavulo in Italy where I made a traffic pattern and landing which was a little bit fast, um, low above buildings and there was some rain so it was really interesting to see and the end was a really smooth landing on the on the runway and a lot of people watched it when i uploaded this video i did not think that um, it will gain a lot of views it was easy to publish video because i only had to cut the beginning and the end of this um, action cam sequence but it's not only one video which um, will explode your channel there are more videos involved and all the other videos which i published before were also important to gain some audience 
And then um, I made one video where I caught um, the tow rope of a plane in the air with my hand. And this was also a more or less viral video. And there I gained some more attraction on the YouTube channel. And then with the other videos, it really picked up. And I had a lot of luck with the YouTube algorithm to suggest my videos to other people, to non-pilots. Really grateful for this, but I don't know how it really happened. And uh, I cannot tell others how to do it because I don't understand it completely on my own. Well, we're definitely enjoying those videos. Thanks for sharing those. Thank you. You have so many crazy flights and videos. I know this is probably a harder question, but if you had to pick like one or two, were there any of those flights, even for maybe just a short moment, you were like, oh no, like the funnel cloud maybe, or that crazy low flying on the beach. To most of us, there's so many videos that we're just kind of holding our breath. Yeah, it was really exciting to fly um, into the funnel cloud. I um, thought about it um, when I've seen the funnel, the, if it is really dangerous for me or not. Um, it was an amazing experience. And I think in the video, it looks um, more worse than it really was. I've already flown above nuclear power plants here in Germany and there the thermos or the updraft is really rough and so on. And would say the funnel cloud was not completely different to this, not more energy in there. And with a glider, you also have the option with your parachute in really in the worst case when you are high enough. So I did not expect that the glider will get damaged or something else in the funnel cloud. And also the low flying at the beach it was really fun to do. And my first flight there at the cliffs was uh, with an instructor in a duodiscus. So I got some experience already and it was fun and it was great to see it from the guys who did it already several times. And um, I trust on their experience as well. So it was only a lot of fun and, and nothing which I thought, where I thought, um, no, that's, that's really <laughs> at the edge or so. Um, I had one flight in New Zealand uh, last year. I also made a video about this where I tried to fly a huge triangle and one turn point, which I made by myself, was above the ocean. So five or 10 kilometers out to the ocean. And I thought when I flew back, I can use the ridge lift from the cliffs um, to get some more altitude and then fly back into the uh, land to get a thermal. But <laughs> unfortunately, at this day, the ridge lift was not enough. So I was only able to maintain my altitude some meters above the cliffs but directly at the sea there's not the possibility the thermals need some land to warm up the air and to produce a thermal and directly at the border of the ocean um, and this does not really happen and um, i was stuck there for about one hour or one and a half hours and i only had the beach to land there was a proper beach but um this definitely was <laughs> a scary moment and I was pushing a little bit too hard there. Also the other part of the flight was really challenging. Um, at the end it was an amazing flight and I've experienced so many situations there. I've captured so many amazing moments also with the camera but this flight was really one uh, <laughs> where I thought yeah 
perhaps this was a little bit too much. I really enjoyed that flight. It was absolutely beautiful there on the beach. Thank you. I know a lot of glider pilots aspire to, you know, to do cool stuff and document it on social media. Do you have any advice or words for the pilots that have less experience that maybe need to be a little more careful about some of the things that they're filming? Yeah, in general, for me as well, um, the, the one main problem is with the regulations that we need to have clearance to the clouds. I would say nearly every glider pilot um, do not really care about um, the clearance to the clouds, especially when you fly in the thermals. You don't want to have 300 meters left till the cloud base, so 1,000 feet. Uh, here in Germany, in Europe, we need to have this clearance, especially in competitions. It's nothing we can uh, do or we don't want to do. Um, so that's one thing I really recommend to take care, not to publish everything which you record most of the time these are the moments which are the best um scenic flights and um it, it looks really interesting but i would take care of this and also with action cams mounted on the outside of the glider um it is not completely legal and you should take care where you mount it um, with my standard level, some years ago, I mounted the action cam at one of the wings, but more to the fuselage, so only 50 centimeters from the fuselage um, far away. And I made a vortex to the elevator, so I could feel these um, turbulences um, when I had my stick in the hand. And this was some, yes, scary moment to see that it really makes sense not to mount uh, the action cam just everywhere on the glider really should take care about this well you've kind of touched on it a little bit but in the vein of safety with all your thousands of hours in gliders could you spend a few minutes just talking about what to you are some of the biggest takeaways you've had over the years on how to keep us safe and be safer pilots yeah i have about 2000 hours of um gliders glider flights and <laughs> yeah I, I made already some stupid mistakes i would say and especially one thing which came up uh, this summer as well is um do your checklist you learn to have to go through your checklist before the launch and um also before your landing once the the air brakes came out at the aerotow I've already published this video. It was in Sweden, I think two years ago. And I realized this um, just in time. The, the flaps came out. That's really important to, to do all these checklists. And then the summer I um, made a landing without uh, the gear lowered. So um, the gear was retracted and I landed on the fuselage in, in the grass. It was not um, really dangerous or not too bad at the end but um there you realize that you should take more care of um of these details as well also in competition flying uh, i recorded this flight and there i've seen that it was really concentrated on the radio um, things there were other gliders joining the traffic pattern from the other side so really had to have a look outside to see where they are and um, how fast they will be there when they will land and so on we were 
four gliders nearly landing at the same time. So um, that's why my focus was more to the communication part. And I'm not the best person in multitasking. And perhaps you've also noticed this in uh, in my videos. Uh, it's really difficult for me to um, to explain everything, especially during the competition flight. Um, they are more focused on the flying and not on the communication part. Also, um, <laughs> I have a lot of outlandings already. And also there, I, I tried um, stupid things already. Um, for example, one outlanding in Slovakia, I think two or three years ago, um, where I landed with my standard lebel, was trying to get a lift till the very end. And then the landing was was somehow okay. We had um, great fields there to land, but then um, I think nobody noticed this in the video, but I did not use the air brakes for the landing. I really landed without air brakes. Also when I was then on the ground for the first time, then I, I was still in the air afterwards and landed and in the air and so on. And there I should have noticed that I should use the air brakes before I just wanted to get as far as possible on the field. That's why I did not need the air brakes. But um, then when I was on the ground, it would have been uh, better and safer to use them. So really make a traffic pattern, try to be at least 200 meters above the outlanding field so that you can have a look at the field and then you can make a proper traffic pattern like you've learned it in your training and like you do it every time on the airfield. Uh, it's really important to, to have this um, routine and to do it. I had, I think my first outlanding at a competition here um, was with a DG300 and it was not too high at the end when I um, decided for a field, but the problem was not um, the height. The problem was that I was above the field and did not make the perfect traffic pattern. So I, I arrived too high at the landing spot. And then I thought, yeah, the next field is also okay. And then the next field was not too good. Um, it was really rough. And then I thought, yeah, over there, there's uh, some field of grass and you can land there but this field was also really not good um, and there I <laughs> I made a ground loop then my left wing hit the grass at first before my landing gear and I had a lot of luck the glider was not damaged everything was fine but these are the experiences you don't want to have and you don't want to to do it twice, um, need to take care about it. Gliding is not uh, the best sport to make bigger mistakes. Um, it's, yeah, we humans are not meant to fly. <laughs> we really need to take care about this. Yeah, definitely learn from our mistakes and other other pilots' mistakes as well, so we all can become better and safer pilots. Thank you. Some great advice there. Yeah, and um, one thing I would add here is um, that. I also like to see other pilots um, to publish videos with their mistakes. There was one video published on YouTube uh, from New Zealand where um, uh, I think it was an instructor with his um, student went into a cloud and they nearly, they, they had a lot of luck not to hit the mountain where they were in. And 
I think it's really important for us pilots, for us glider pilots to see these mistakes also in social media. But most of them don't want to publish it because everyone is talking about it and they don't want this publicity. But I think it's important for us as well. It is important. That was a really scary video. And, you know, thankfully those guys landed and yeah. they're safe. And But yeah, we all can learn so much from that. You know, you've flown gliders all over the world in the last several years in so many countries and, you know, so many different varied terrains. What are two or three locations maybe you've flown that really stick out in your mind that if you had a month to live and you wanted to go soaring maybe a couple more times, where would you choose to do that? I would say that the first um, option which I would pick is New Zealand. It was an amazing experience to be there, to fly there, especially flying low at the cliffs at the beach. There you have 100 kilometers of length where you can really fly at the cliffs. And there are so many different types of landscapes um, within these 100 kilometers. Um, it was so fascinating also to um, start at an airfield directly at the beach or at the ocean. It's just awesome, just amazing to see this. Um, also, New Zealand has a lot of other stuff to, um, or you can fly on other locations in New Zealand. You can fly on the, I think it's a southern island in Omaram. Uh, I think in New Zealand, there are a lot of other options to fly in the mountains as well. I've seen so many amazing videos about the landscape there. So I would say that's, that's the first option which I would like to pick. And also the, um, the people were so kind there. I was invited to barbecue, uh, to, to have dinner with, uh, some pilots at their home. We went for a boat trip, uh, we went fishing and, all this together um, also the people were so kind that I think um, this is the first place which I would like to pick. Then also the adventure in South Africa where I was in, in Wooster was um, amazing. The low level rich flying also to see the ocean from the glider. It is a perfect playground for glider pilots during winter um, if they are into rich flying and they like to fly fast and low level. Yeah, if I would need to pick a third option, I'm not sure if I would take Namibia or um, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Namibia is really a great experience as well, but there you fly, there usually you fly really high uh, with oxygen and so on. So you're flying at about 5,000 meters. If you prefer to have these um, cloud flying or this uh, the thermal flying then Namibia is um, the the best way to go I would say because you have really high thermals you have good climb rates you have great cloud streets you can fly so fast also the landscape on one hand it can be boring but on the other direction um, there's also some different landscape there and it's also very interesting Bosnia and Herzegovina is one spot which I really like to fly. It was so different to, uh, let's say, South France or so. The mountains, the ridges were really 
great and it was from the landscape it was somehow different than what i've experienced before it was a little bit perhaps a little bit easier to fly than in uh, south france and um, i like to do different things so for me the, the the ultimate thing is to see a lot of different landscapes a lot of different locations and being just on one place is not enough for me, I would say. Or oh, I try to be in different places as well. Well, keep documenting those videos. We are definitely enjoying those. There's some awesome views there. Yeah. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on self-launch sustainer equipped gliders and the rift we sometimes see in the community between the purest glider types who think that anything with any engine isn't a glider. And then, of course, you got the folks who don't really make a distinction just because a glider has a motor. It seems like there's so many old school pilots that really take exception to power gliders. Where do you fall when it comes to those? Um, yeah, as a competition pilot, I think um, it's not about the propulsion. It's not about if it's a self-launcher or sustainer equipped glider. It's about the performance of the glider. So the moment I fly ASG-29 without um, sustainer and what I like about it is that if you fly in a competition or you um, compare with other glider, perhaps which is 100 or 150,000 euros more expensive, you can also keep up with this glider. So from the competition point of view, for me, it's good to have a glider with an equipped motor or engine, but it depends if you can afford it or not. Um, for me, the flying by itself is the part which I enjoy the most. Um, if I do an aero tow, it's fine for me. If I have a self-launcher glider, then it's also good to have and you have more possibilities to fly during the week. You can make some, or you can do travel by glider. You can um, fly in areas where the outlanding possibilities are perhaps not as good. So I think it's a great opportunity to have these gliders. Um, especially with the electric um, gliders with the front electric sustainer and so on. It is very interesting to see what is possible if we are using um, a little bit of electric energy during our competition flight or to fly bigger distances or to fly in other areas. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity for us and we should not point to the people who have the ability to have a glider which is equipped with a sustainer engine possible to self-launch. There are also countries where it is really necessary like in, in Namibia most of the gliders are equipped with a um, self-launch engine because you don't want to make an outlanding there it would be possible, but um, it's a lot of effort to get the glider back to the airfield. So that you really want to have an engine and also not only a sustainer engine, because with these conditions there, you um, need a good climb rate to, to get higher again. My ultimate dream for the future is um, to have a glider which has an electric propulsion to make self-launch perhaps during the week. It's not necessary to have the self-launch capability for full wing loading, but for flights, for, for adventures, it is would be really great to have um, this option. I agree, definitely. I, I love the electric stuff coming out. The technology, of course, is moving fast on that. 
So I'm I'm really excited to see some of the stuff they're going to be coming out with. Yeah, also the um, the front electric sustainer and the e-glide concept is really interesting, I would say, because you are able to fly at more competition days, also at weak conditions, at weak thermal conditions, you can make a competition task. And especially if we make more public videos or when we try to live stream uh, the flights and the tracking and so on to the web, then it is important to have as many flights as possible in a shorter period of time. So within a week, it would be great to have um, five flying days or so. And therefore, it is great. There are so many people and comments also on my YouTube channel that flying a glider with a, a, a motor, it's not a glider. I don't get it. Um, I really think we should try it. We sh gliding is about technology and we see the same technology in, in the cars. And at the moment, it's in, in the head of lot of people that driving in Tesla and electric car is great and so on. That's why we can use this as well to, to make advertisement for our sports and gliding, especially the, the gliders are so efficient. So we only need a little bit of energy. It's a lot more efficient than uh, in a car. So we only need like the front electric sustain sustainer. They have four kilowatts of electric power and they can fly for say 80 or 100 kilometers that's that's really amazing and really looking forward to see there uh, more different types of propulsion systems uh, of electrical propulsion systems there absolutely i'm excited about it myself all things equal what kind of lift do you enjoy the most is it running low to run the ridges maybe climbing up through thermals rotor to get into wave what do you like if i would need to pick one, I would say, um, the low-level rich flying. It is so amazing to see the speed, the energy, and so on um, directly on the ridge, how fast we gliders can fly. We can fly with 200, 250 kilometers per hour. That's so spectacular. But in general, I enjoy a lot that we glider pilots can use all these different types of lifts and possibilities to fly a glider and that's something which stands out for our sports for example paragliders they cannot use the ridge when there's too much wind and um, they cannot use the wave with glider pilots we can use everything and for example wave flying is better possible here in germany during the winter so um it is great to fly um in the flatlands in the thermos and do huge triangles, huge tasks um, in spring or in summer to be somewhere in southern France or somewhere else and fly in the mountains is also an amazing experience. Something which I did not do um, a lot up to now is wave flying, but I made, I think, yeah, this year I made my first wave flight in Germany and it was perhaps the second or third wave flight in my whole career so um, that's something completely new for me but um, it is an amazing experience to be really high and to see um, what is possible with wave flying and especially also with a weather forecast for wave flying i really want to get more into these things as well in the future that's one good thing about uh, the situation up to now with the corona um 
I did not fly to South Africa or New Zealand um, this winter. So I tried to make the most out of it. What's here in Germany and what we can use here in Europe. I had three great wave flights up to now. I made also some videos about this and um, it's an experience which I would like to do more often in the future. Speaking of the future, do you have any big or crazy plans or goals for 2021, either relative to maybe racing or some videos you want to do? We see you got this cool new van driving around Europe. I think that's a perfect solution for a traveling glider pilot. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, I'm really glad that I have this van and it was a lot of work to, to build the van. Yeah, goals for 2021. I'm, um, my, my biggest competition or the most important po competition uh, is the World Gliding Championships next year. Let's hope that it will be possible to, to do this next year. I am there qualified in club class and um, yeah, I would say the, the complete um, competition plan for next year is around this um, event. I also planning to buy an LS3 um, to have a proper glider, um, an own glider for this competition because I don't like to, to rent or borrow gliders. Um, I tried it this year, but at the end, it really makes a huge difference if it's your own glider, if it's equipped with your barometer, with your navigation computer and everything. You need some more experience on, on the glider where you fly um, bigger competitions. Yeah, and then the, the part with the videos, I'm really looking forward to publish and make more videos next year. This year, um, also my flying season was really short. I was not able to fly at all these competitions and in these countries where I wanted to fly, but everything which I which I had planned for this year will be more or less next year. So there are a lot of um, videos coming up, and my goal would be to produce one um, crazy flying video story, which is which is also interesting for non-pilots. So I did um, the flight where I caught the rope, the tow rope in flight. That was somehow a video project, but um, I don't want to do the same stuff, but um, somehow in this direction to have an aerotow with a very interesting plane, perhaps to launch by car, to integrate the gliders with electric propulsion and so on. I think there are other YouTubers who are doing an amazing job um, when they produce a video with a story and it's a lot of work, a lot of planning, but I like those videos as well. And I used to do some videos uh, in this direction uh, some years ago, but um, this year I had not the time for this. And for next year, I definitely want to do more stuff in this direction as well at the beginning or at the end of the um, season. So um, I have when I have more time. Well, we'll definitely be looking forward to this. Now, all of us have, have obviously had, you know, some off time and not in the glider as much as we liked in 2020. But do you feel like Condor helps you and helps your soaring skills in the off season? Is there anything Condor you, you feel maybe can create bad habits in pilots? And is there anything you wish they would do better? 
Um, yeah, yesterday I made a live stream on YouTube um, where we made a test flight on Condor 2 simulator. It was really interesting um, to, to experience this again. Um, several years ago, I um, was flying Condor also with a multi-user and on the web. It was great to um, to see something new, to see new landscapes, to to experience the the tactics and competition a little bit. But then in the last years, I was more focused on flying um, in different countries also during winter. So I had not enough time to do this. But this winter, I really want to get more into um, this condor flying and through the simulator flying. It is a great possibility to um, to experience new landscapes, also perhaps for flying in um, France, in southern France, in the mountains. There, you um, it's really an advantage if you have experienced this area beforehand in uh, Condor and then you go to this location and you know this mountain is there and this is over there and you usually use this ridge and so on. There are pilots which really use um, Condor for competitions, um, for preparation for competitions, um, especially in the mountains. So I really want to get more into this. Um, I'm not sure if it is um, the best thing for um, beginners who never flew a glider to fly in Condor then because they don't get all those things around the glider. And um, if they crash, <laughs> they just um, repair it and, and they, they hit the outstanding lift and they are up in the air again. Somehow it, it is a simulator, but on the other hand, you also need to see it as a game and you need to take care of some bad habits you can get used to. I think what I'm really looking forward is to also have um, pedals for, for the rudder. Um, up to now, I only have a joystick and from Microsoft. And I think um, having this rudder also helps a lot to, um, to improve the skills of a, of a student and so on. Yeah, rudder pedals are definitely important if you can grab those. They, they say it makes a huge difference in training as well. Yeah, I can imagine. So finally, are there any people from your early days of learning to fly, family, friends, maybe people you currently fly with that you'd like to give a shout out? You know, we always like to give pilots a few minutes to acknowledge or thank the people that, that have been influential in their soaring. Yeah, there are so many um, people and pilots who helped me to get where I'm at the moment. Um, at the beginning, my my father, who brought me into this sport, who helped me, who supported me. The ones from the airfield, um, from my former aero club in Augsburg, the MBBSG. Um, there were some really motivated um, trainers who helped me to get the license really quickly and I think that was the most important point at the beginning that this motivation is there that um that you really want to get into it and want to push and yeah improve your skills and they helped me a lot so also my family my mother does not fly but um she helps me where she can and my brother is the one who helps so much in every 
part if i leave to a competition he helps me to pack the stuff to prepare the glider to to make the maintenance during winter and um, to make the paperwork and everything um, he's really a huge um help there and also all my friends my team partners my teammates without them it would not be possible so it is really a team sport um, there's so much around being a competition pilot or also being a youtuber more and more the people who invite me to other locations for example to new zealand and so on they are so kind and it really helps me to do what i'm doing at the moment and to create these videos without all that it would really not be possible Thank you, Stefan. I greatly appreciate you spending some time with us. I know you were very busy, but the listeners appreciate it. And it's been a lot of fun chatting with you today. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you as well, Chuck. It was a great talk with you. Keep documenting those videos. We're looking forward to seeing more of those. We definitely are enjoying that. Thank you very much. I will definitely upload more videos and publish um, also during this winter I have more time to have a look at my older videos at competition flights and would like to get more into the analyzing things so that you can also learn about the flight the competition flying and style so this is one big goal also for next year to get more of these analyzing stuff on YouTube well I'm sure you know most if not all the listeners have seen some of your videos already but for those that have not, we will put a link in the show notes there so they can get on the channel there and check out your videos. Yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, Stefan. <laughs>